first of all welcome everyone to another edition of the water cooler conversations uh, today we have uh, you know the one and only shreyat karkera he is uh, one of the co-founders of inception a startup trying to simplify all things finance their flagship product pin shots uh, and i'm sure a lot of you might be subscribers here uh, is a 3 minute daily newsletter which already has close to 4 lakh subscribers and is one of the most widely read newsletters in india they also have launched their second flagship product called ditto insurance where you don't just compare insurance you understand it you narrow down your choices uh, choices and avoid pitfalls to make better decisions uh, first of all welcome shreyat to the builders club Hello, Shahid. Hello, hello, guys. Uh, can you guys hear him? Let me just uh, bring one person in. Arrest Shahid. You have gone back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just come on over. Yeah. Sorry about that. I think what's happening is every time, sort of, I move away from this window, it seems to. Yeah, I mean, for some reason, the voice no longer seems to work after that. So yeah. I'll stay in the same window and hopefully this conversation goes without a hitch. Yeah. Okay. And thank you for the kind introduction. It was very nice. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, man. Uh, you know, I'm glad to be here. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm. I'm not sure if people know what we do. Um, but just to just to sort of add on, right? Um. Uh, we run this newsletter called finshots it simplifies news financial news um but it's more than just that it's it's not just sort of a bridge to divide sorry the bridge the gap between um what what mainstream financial news media sort of puts out every day but it's also you know it, it also talks about businesses policy decisions etc and uh, yeah it's a free newsletter uh, but uh, but we we only recently launched this other product called ditto uh, which again in the same ethos of simplifying stuff um hopefully helps people make better decisions when it comes to insurance and uh, yeah i mean you sort of summarized it best for, for me so so yeah i don't think i should i should go ahead and sort of redo the whole thing again but anyways glad to be here no shreyat i guess you know it's it's actually we actually look forward to you know having conversations with founders like you because i guess you you know you're one of those uh, founders who people, who you know started from scratch went through the whole struggle and now at least have a uh, something substantial which is now in a growth stage instead of just in the uh, in the you know initial bit and you've already started seeing the hockey stick uh, in the you're already in the hockey stick uh, stage of the journey uh, so shrehat i would basically want to start off you know and i'll give you a little bit of a brief on how exactly this conversation is going to go uh, we will basically touch upon the basics of you know how exactly did you start the conversation you know start the whole company and where exactly are you looking to you know take it forward and for the first 30 40 minutes of the conversation are basically going to be uh, me and you talking and then we'll open up the floor to questions and uh, people can basically start asking their own questions then so uh, shreyat we would want to you know start off with your basic uh, you know your beginnings you know how exactly where exactly did you study and how exactly did you stumble upon this idea of uh, finception and then finshots mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so so I'll give you a brief about where I come from. Yeah, so um, I I started sort of um, uh, you know my my life is if I could sort of go back in time and see how my life has panned out. I mean, I'm I'm not that old. I'm just I'm 28, and I think that's not that old. But still, if I had sort of um, if I had to if I had to ask myself like how how do I see my my life having panned out in the past 28 years? I can distinctly tell you that there are two phases, right? So there's this first phase uh, up until about 22 years. So I spent most of my life in in Mangalore. That's not uh, Bangalore. That's Mangalore with an M. Um, and and you know it's a small town. And and for for large parts of my life, I think um, I wasn't very ambitious to begin with. And and that's not a bad thing per se. You know, I mean, ambition can come in many ways. Uh, but for me, I think I was just content. Um, having done just that much bit better than what my peers did, right? That could be my cousins, my family, etc. So, for instance, I look at uh, uh, some of the other people in my family and, and what they what they aspire to do. Right? So, so they'd probably say, "Oh, okay, you know, I'm I'm going to sort of maybe maybe get a good grade in tenth, and then maybe twelfth, and and that's about it, right? That's that's where we end things. For me, it was okay, fine. Can I can I get into a good engineering college, right? Can I do something more? As is, you know, I mean, it's it's common to sort of have this ambition, but I don't think I pushed really hard. You know, it was it was always okay, fine. You know, if if I don't get into, if I don't clear my AIEEE exams, if I don't clear clear my IITJ exams, that's that's okay, and that's okay. I I'd still be in a decent college, in a college better than than sort of my my cousins or or my immediate friends and stuff like that. And now, what that does to you is that sort of sets a benchmark. Right? I mean, you're basically saying uh, that's that's okay. That's that's who I look up to, right? And that's that's who I want to sort of be. And you're done. Um, and and about you know, for the first 22 years, I did just that. I I, I don't think I aspired to do much in life. Um, it was just me going about my business, just just being that much bit better than who I thought was sort of my peers. And and yeah, life went on. Uh, Right after graduation, and this was about the fourth year, right at the end of fourth year, um, I think I was going through a lot of, uh, you know, how t- teenagers have this melancholic phase where you probably had a terrible breakup, or you probably had, um, you know, y- you're looking at your friends sort of getting placed in good colleges, etc., and you're not quite sure if that's that's the kind of thing you want to do, right? So, mm-hmm. I, I, I think at that point in time, I was I was I was a bit depressed, so to speak. Um, and so what I did was I, I opted out of placements when all of my friends were sort of, um, I mean, I graduated from this, you know, this, this, I, I don't know if many people know, but there's this college called Nite, again, somewhere around Mangalore. Yeah, no, no, it's not, <laughs> no, not that one. So, right? so there's this other college called NMAM Institute of Technology, not a well-known college. Um, it's not, it's not top tier by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but, but which is precisely why, right? I mean, all of my friends were perfectly content sort of getting a job in Infosys, Wipro, et cetera. And I would have been as well. Don't get me wrong. Right? I thought that was that was a decent opportunity. It's just that there was so much going on in my life at that point in time. I thought maybe, you know what, I, I, I'll, I'll just take a break. And I didn't think through this. Mm. And and for most people at that point in time, when you're sort of taking a break from college, sorry, after college, I think your parents can get a bit nagging. Um, yeah. For me, I never had this problem. <laughs> Uh, because my mom was, I think she was petrified of the fact that if I were actually depressed, I'd actually do something silly, you know. So, 
I think I never had that kind of pressure. So I just chilled, man. Like for the next like six months, I think I I, I hung out with my gym buddies. I I I yeah. It was the is the best period of my life. I mean, it was it was so amazing because I got time to do all the things that I wanted to do earlier, right? So I I hit the gym in the morning. I'd sort of come back. I'd game. I'd game for three hours, and then again, you know, I'd sort of have a nice lunch, sleep, um, get up again. Okay, maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe watch a few YouTube videos, etc., stuff like that, and then again, you know, game and then sleep. I thought my life was amazing, but doing this consistently, I think, sort of, I mean, you know, it sort of, even though my my mother wasn't very, I mean, she wasn't a nagging lady. Uh, I think a lot of people started talking about what I was doing. Right? I mean, there were neighbors, etc. They're like, "Oh, what's that boy doing?" My mom had this proclivity to go out and sort of boast about her children. I mean, we weren't special by any stretch of the imagination, but she still had the tendency to talk up as if we were, you know, I mean, we were like yeah. tennis stars or, oh, my, my, my child is like the genius, et cetera. And I think uh, my neighbors were getting pissed, obviously. They're like, oh, look at that child. I mean, you know, this is the genius kid. He's staying at home all the time. Um, and so I think eventually I decided I was going to do something else. I was probably going to take up a job. I just didn't want to do the Infosys thing, et cetera. So, so I, I mean, at that point in time, I, I just decided that I was going to um, teach, right? Because that was the only opportunity that I had. I was going to teach um, at uh, at Time, um, the Management Institute. Um, I got an opportunity to teach uh, aspirants who were preparing for bank PO exams. And I think that part, that, that one moment, right? The fact that I began teaching sort of changed my life trajectory completely. Uh, because in the in the next three or four months, I think I did things that I never had done before. Right? I started reading, for instance. Right? I, I, I started teaching, and I became a better communicator. Up until then, you know, my my English was—I mean, I, I couldn't communicate. It was—it wasn't just a matter of English as a language. It's just that I couldn't even communicate in my in my own tongue. Right? I speak Tulu, it's a native language to Mangalore. Even then, I, I wasn't a good communicator. I didn't have clarity of thought, but. But that the, the the next four months sort of became a very definitive period for me, and and yeah, I mean, what's transpired since then, right? I mean, it was I am you know dropping out of placements again, uh, you know, working on Finception, FinShots, and yeah, it's it's just it's just passed by. Um, so so yeah, I mean, I I wish I could go into detail here, yeah, but but basically, I see my life as as having panned out in two different ways. Twenty two years. I led my life, and I would like to call it as—I mean, as it is. It's—it was largely an ignorant life. I, I didn't do much. I didn't think about things. Right? I didn't ask questions. I wasn't curious. And then all of a sudden, there's this nudge. Right? Okay, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna start watching something. I'm gonna start reading books. And I don't think I've ever stopped since then. You know, I've—I've I've had this insatiable sense of curiosity, and and yeah, it's—it's—it's it's, it's been a pretty interesting journey since then. I mean, it was a slightly longish answer, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully, it gives yeah. you some some idea. So it's a it's actually a very interesting thing, you know. This is something which I guess every person who has actually tried teaching anyone, they would yeah. know that it's a transformational experience when you start teaching yeah. people, and then you understand the accountability and responsibility that you have, yeah. and then yeah. you then you start researching more and going in depth. into what you're doing because you want to be prepared and 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 you know very very interesting thought yeah and i would probably you know take this as a segue to 
get into understanding the whole idea of inception how did that idea come from uh, what was the germination and what exactly are you trying to do and i guess you know the first product which you came up with when shots uh, you know was that the first product which you people came up with and then the whole idea of inception no. the other way around no no, no. So, so that's not how it panned out so what happened was look i like i told you right i had this i mean I, I, you know entrepreneurs do what they do for many reasons if you ask a, you know let's suppose you you round up about 100 entrepreneurs from from bangalore right i mean you'll find them everywhere if you sort of get them together um and and you put them in a huddle and you ask them why are you doing this right and you get a bunch of answers you, you know you'll have people saying things like oh i want to change the world and you have people saying you know what i want to be rich right i, I want to be on the on the cover of forbes right on 30 under 30 you know 40 under 40 all of this stuff but if you had asked me why i sort of dabbled in entrepreneurship i can tell you wholeheartedly the honest answer was that i was petrified of the placement process i just didn't want to go through the placement process I'm not sure if you know how these placement process works in in some of these top you know B schools, and it was new to me because I was I I wasn't aware of the kind of stress you had. I mean the the kind the amount of stress that you'd have to endure over that one week period, right? It's intense, man. And the fact that I had a taste of it, right, during my internship, oh, I mean, I think I was riding high on confidence because I always thought I was I was a really good communicator after having thought. after i taught you know kids at time etc and when it came to group discussions actually discussing right it's all out warfare i mean it's yeah. you know how there are people out there right you thought they were your yeah. friends they're going to beat you and spit you out man they're going to tell you you know nothing i still remember there was this one occasion when when we were asked right i don't remember what the interview was about but but it was a group discussion we were asked to discuss uh, uh, you know a case study and and the case study was about introducing shower gel right uh, you know so basically we were asked to figure out a, a marketing strategy to to sort of uh, sell shower gels now unfortunately my new brain didn't know what shower gels were at the time right i i i never used shower gels right i was i was still very ignorant about what shower gels were i just thought it was some variant of hair gel you know i was like might be something related to hair gels right and i i started sort of seeing this right? i was like oh you know what you know it's a hair product etc i remember there's this girl sitting on the other end of the aisle she immediately looks at me and she pounces on me she's like okay then let me explain to you what what a shower gel is and i don't know i just found that whole experience so traumatizing that every single time that after that one discussion i was just a meek rabbit i don't think i spoke much you know so so this <laughs> that that whole experience was this is the, yeah, this is the ima summer internships yes yes this is the yeah this is the ima summer and and you have all of these people walk yeah it's like walkie talkies and yeah, yeah. they have they have the headgear man the oh, gosh it's yeah. it's horrible right? i mean i i i tell you it just didn't feel like a placement process it seems like we were going through cia's day one training program or something right yeah, yeah. um and and Yeah, so so I I sort of I I decided by the end of second year that I wasn't going to do this. And look, I'm sort of exaggerating here. There were other reasons as well, but one of my primary contentions was that I still didn't want to go through the placement process. So I decided anything was better. Anything, if if I didn't have to go through that, I'd probably go to something else. So so that was sort of my motivation at the time, and and so 
the funny thing was the only person that had a get out of jail card for me was was this guy called Pavan who was my classmate and he had this idea he said you know what zerodas making a ton of money and at that time this was 2017 um it was once again the beginning of the bull run i don't know if a lot of people follow the markets but just just starting to sort of you, know, you talk about hockey stick growth you was you was you know any stock right you could pick and i remember there were so many stocks at the time you you pick today and then within 6 months right they're doubling in value right so there was this sort of this 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 expectation that a bull run was imminent so you know this guy comes up to me and he says you know what i'm looking for a tech co-founder Um, you seem to have a degree in computer science, and you made it to IIM, so you must know some tech. Might as well, you know, sort of join. And 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 at the time, I thought, yeah, man, I know nothing of finance. I know nothing about tech as well. I was a horrible coder back in college, but I thought this this was the only get out of jail card that I had in front of me. So I said, okay, let's let's start doing this, right? Although I had absolutely no background in finance. uh in fact today i write most of the stuff you see on finshots etc but but at the time my 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 track record was so pathetic that in the first year i think i'd scored a straight c in every single finance related subject and i was i was so yeah it was it was so bad that in the second year when we had to sort of pick and choose our you know the courses that we we want to take i only picked liberal arts courses right i was picking courses on bhagavad gita on history performance arts and stuff like that you know um, zero courses in finance and and by and large i think sort of i, I just decided that i was going to join this guy startup even though even though i mean that, at the time it was just him right so i thought i'll join him um, even though we didn't know what we were going to do so we started out you know wanting to be a broker right a stock broker but the way we decided you know we you've got to be different than zeroda you can't do the same thing that zeroda did so we said okay fine you know what first we build an education platform and then let's get them to trade so that's how we'll bridge the divide and we thought oh we're the greatest uh, geniuses of the planet right and and obviously almost you know 6 months later we realized that hypothesis was completely untenable people don't trade based on research reports they trade because it's exciting it's gambling you know it's like oh i want to see the market go up and goes down right i don't care about your research report doesn't matter so we started with inception hoping to bridge the gap between research that's generally out there you know the kotak security research mm. report it's very very thick right it's very hard to parse through so we sort of did these long form articles that were much more narrative driven it's got a story there it's got some spice it's more entertaining easy to read and that's how we started this journey eventually it morphed into finshots so we didn't start out wanting to be finshots it's just that we started with these long form you know 12 minute articles on 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 stock related stuff and then we realized we have to if we have to appeal to a larger audience we should probably talk about more things related to finance and not just stocks um so yeah that's how it started up very interesting story and i think this is this is the most realistic you know kind of story that any person who starting a company in college these are the motivations very right, frankly yeah. and and this is absolutely the way i guess any student would go through it care मार्केट में क्या अभी विच इज द नेक्स्ट बिगेस्ट नॉट स्टार दैट वी हैव टू चेंज एंड लेट्स सी हाउ वी आर एबल टू गेट इट एंड लेट्स नेविगेट एवरीथिंग वेरी इंटरेस्टिंग स्टोरी मैन श्रेहत सो यू नो आई गेस यू टॉक्ड अबाउट द इनिशियल कंज्यूमर इनसाइड 
wherein you figured right. out that this is the user persona that I'm going to go after, and then you yeah. figured out that you know this is the kind of things which might be palatable to them. Now you're right. doing right. three-minute uh, storytelling. Right, right, right. So, have you seen the consumer behavior change, or you just identified another one of those consumer traits, and then you went after that? Hey, no, man. The the original idea fell flat on its head. I mean, that's all that happened. Right? So, we look. the 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 original hypothesis was that we were going to condense, you know, ten, fifteen page reports to twelve minute articles, right? and we were going to do it in a very sort of engaging manner narrative driven right um, you could go back to finception got in right now and you could read some of the stories and you'll see that they begin with an ode to you know like you know first one of the first stories we wrote was this this article on aisha motors and it begins with this with this with this uh, i think a paragraph from this book called good to great by by this guy called jim collins a very popular book right and he talks about how how a company can be good but not great like it's the the tragedy of our times is that was for the longest time in its existence and it's existed for a long time it's just that they were not aspiring to be great and all of that changed with siddharth alal and when he came back in i think it was i think it was in 2000 i guess or 1995 i don't remember the precise date but but the moment he here that that we could sort of tie this larger narrative to to you know and, and communicate stories about stocks was very appealing unfortunately what happened was after we started publishing right we thought we'd get all of these newbies into the market right these guys have been interested i mean you know they were they never going to read the kotak security research report but they're going to read this and and we were successful to a certain degree but predominantly about 80 or 90% of the people that were reading us were veterans in the market i mean we're talking about people like mutual fund managers right um, research analysts i mean these people would write to me i still remember we wrote this story on biocon and at the time biocon you know they they were dabbling with this thing called biosimilars it's a very very complicated topic and even to understand the name of some of these drugs right, it was so hard and we wrote a sort of this very nice explainer and you will not believe the amount of attention that that story received from from fund managers from sort of analysts who were just writing in to know what other information that we had we didn't i mean we just had publicly available information and we just made better use of it and we made it more accessible right in in terms of the language that we used uh, but but you can get the idea of sort of the kind of people that were reading us in fact um nitin kamat right and zeroda obviously invested in us in 2019 but that only happened because the guy that was heading the varsity division which is zeroda's educative division he was reading some of our articles he was a fan of our articles he had donated to our cause at the time we were sort of crowdfunding and and he said you know what nitin we should probably have a conversation with these boys they they're very good at what they're doing and so that's how it sort of transpired but you can see the profile of customers that were sort of reading us it wasn't the kind of people that we wanted to appeal to you know newcomers who would trade like you know what robin hood did with 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 the us market right 40% of their users they're all first time users right first time traders so so we weren't getting that kind of sort of audience to 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 engage on our platform it's just that we were getting these veterans and we decided to change something so that's one of the reasons why we decided to pivot to 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 3 minute newsletters because 
it was a very good idea for a very niche audience conception but it was never going to scale and i'm by scaling i don't mean necessarily scaling at an exponential rate even getting from 0 to 10000 subscribers was a challenge in itself right we could add 10000 subscribers in a week with finshots because people share these articles they're sort of the more the easier to consume you know um and walking that tightrope can be hard because you, i can still dilute it and say you know what i'm going to start making reels man because that's that's easier that gets more engagement instagram is going to do my work for me right so you have to walk that tightrope and say you know what i still want it to be insightful but i still want it to be you know consume i i still want people to consume it right at scale so so that's how we chanced upon this idea right in shots because i thought that that delivered that balance just right nice 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 and you know this this whole instagram bit which you talked about actually you know this was actually going to be my next question uh right. so currently you people are doing text based stories and they are delivered via uh, email or uh, via... uh you know so they delivered by multiple mediums right so so we are one of the you know pinshots is i think consistently like in the top 10 podcasts on spotify apple etc um on newsletters obviously we have about you know 300 or 1000 subscribers on email alone we have 100000 plus people on the app on pinshots again that's that's delivered there you can just read it on the website without subscribing so that's free to use as well and then obviously there's the social media stuff that we do which is not necessarily the daily 3 minute read but it also has a lot more content right content that's that's tailor made for social media alone so we are on instagram and linkedin as well so so we are using multiple channels the only channel that we perhaps not very very active on is youtube right i mean that's something that we still need to figure out but by and large we are on multiple channels Mm-hmm. with a core kind of uh, premium b2b crowd being the main target focus audience while oh. making sure that the information is accessible to everyone at scale yeah but but i don't understand what you mean by b2b uh, i would say the cxo level folks are the main people that you people are focusing on in terms of no 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 no, no. i mean look some of them do read our stuff but that wasn't the motivation right my motivation is to reach the the college kid that sort of prepping for placement right because these people they're just going to enter the workforce in the next one or two years they're going to have a lot of cash on them like they they want to know how to spend that money so our our initiative right now with insurance for instance right okay that's the first initiative but the hope was that we could sort of use this audience base right this this easy i mean low cost distribution model that we've already yeah. built be able to then push financial products etc and help them make better financial decisions okay. that was the thesis okay cool and now just one last question before i open up uh, the floor to the audience so guys in case you want to ask a question just uh, you know there's an option of uh, you know raising your hand so you can just raise your hand and we will bring you on stage for asking questions so one by one we'll bring bring you guys uh so shahid my one question is around ditto so this is one right. this is the new initiative that you people have started now it's been what right. almost right. a year now 8 9 months that you people are uh, no i think this is this has been about 6 months yeah 6 months but we've only started selling insurance for about maybe 3 or 4 months yeah, yeah. so what do you understand that that whole thread so how exactly right. what exactly is the plan with ditto right Right. So, so I, I tell you what. Right. So about last year, right. I think we we wanted to build like a, I mean, what everybody was building. <laughs> I mean, put it very simply, 
we wanted to build a, a more user friendly um tool for people to sort of manage their finance and i know it's sort of the most cliched statement out there but when i'm saying that i'm i'm saying things like okay let's suppose if we had to sort of you know if you were to sort of or anybody in the audience right now were to ask me a question on oh listen you know what do you think it's a good idea for me to put down an emi and buy a house i'd be like don't be stupid that's 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 horrible and for most young people that's a horrible choice to make because you're tying up significant parts of your capital and and i'm not quite sure if it's going to yield the kind of returns you expect yeah sure you could have a house for mental comfort but perhaps this is the time to not lock up your capital right so now if i had to communicate this advice using let's say uh, an online web based solution how would i do it right so that's where it all started last year and we built an end to end solution right you could sort of plan for you know you could you could sort of you know you could put down and say oh you know what i want to invest to buy a house and we'd say you know what don't even buy a house right not not say oh you know put put down a sip of 1 lakh every month like that's yeah that's not possible and right? most people don't have that kind of spending power so we started with that but then when covid hit i think it became very apparent that everybody is doing that what people aren't doing is probably helping people buy the most important financial product that there is right? it, it, there's no way in hell that most people that i know are going to make any money are going to see any money investing in market if they can't protect the downside because between the ages of 22 and 32 your income levels right it's going to see a lot of volatility and it's going to go up and then it's going to go down sometimes right you make choices right you get married you you go and study and all of these things have an impact on your finance and so if you're asking me right how am i how what's the best way for me to optimize my financial decisions in the next 10 years i'd say start protecting your downside that's the first thing you're supposed to do but then okay how do i do that you're like okay fine maybe you should buy insurance what kind of insurance okay health insurance and term insurance and then you're like okay what health insurance specifically and i think the problem became more and more apparent because at the time i was trying to buy insurance for for, for one of my uncles who unfortunately had to had to sort of you know i think he had a problem to deal with right a medical ailment and and it became very apparent that perhaps you know the market for insurance right helping people make make, make better decisions with insurance is still very i mean it's still not mature right the market in itself is mature people people are already buying insurance by the bulk online it's just that they probably aren't making the best decisions and and one way you can sort of test that hypothesis is by asking this crowd how many people can clearly tell the name of the health insurance policy that they have i can assure you if if that number is greater than let's say 10% i'd be very surprised either this is the most most self aware audience there is in terms of just just being so in tune with their finances or i don't know man maybe it's rigged because from my experience everybody that i've spoken to they have no clue what the insurance policy is they, they have no idea what what's in it either right so we thought perhaps we could do something on that front and uh, yeah i mean over the months it's taken a it's taken some shape on its own and uh, yeah it's also it also happens to be one of the few financial products where there's still potential to make money right payments is a very saturated market loans obviously again it's commoditized a mutual funds there's very little money already right because direct mutual funds have taken out all of the commission that that most people you know distributors were earlier making 
So you have a very select list of financial products where there's still money on the table. Insurance is probably one of those. So from both angles, it seemed like a nice thing to experiment with, and that's why we decided to do it all. Nice, nice, nice. It's a very noble thought, and at the same time, a very smart move into a very big industry. Uh, so best of luck for that, and hopefully, you know, uh, <laughs> okay. in case we can help in any way. Uh, so, guys, let's just move on to the uh, Q and A bit. Uh, so, I think Chand Chandrakant, you can start off, uh, followed by uh, Divyansh and then Sharat. Okay. So, uh, I just had a very basic question. So, uh, because it's a non-profit in the starting, right? Still, the FinShots run on a non-profit basis, from what I understood. Uh, it's a for-profit company. I mean, we, we decided that we were not going to monetize FinShots because we always wanted to, as I earlier said, um, uh -huh. hopefully make money by, by selling financial products, right? So we didn't want to monetize the newsletter itself, but that doesn't mean we are a non-profit company. We're still a for-profit company. It's just that we chose a different route to monetization. Instead of monetizing the newsletter by, let's say, by plastering ads or, or sponsoring other people's content or introducing a paywall, we said we were going to sort of build trust, build distribution, build scale, and hopefully convince some of these people to try out financial products, Ditto being one example, right? So it's a for-profit initiative. And uh, there was one, of, one more session I attended of yours, and there you're, you're talking about uh, maybe uh, monetizing it also, maybe monetizing the newsletters later. later. Uh, so mm -hmm. how, how does that basically, if you want to monetize it, you plan to do yeah. it later? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's this right with with startups you can never tell for sure what what route you're going to take um at the moment right now if you're asking me a question are we are we planning on monetizing print shots directly by sort of putting up a paywall no are we ever going to put up a paywall maybe but it's still very unlikely uh will we work with other people let's say sponsored ads etc right maybe maybe do something like a morning brew where where they add a section um to to talk about other financial products etc that's possible, but that's not something that we're doing right now. Right? So, so there are things that we are open to consider. And I'll tell you what is the motivation also. Like for instance, last year, there were a lot of people, especially crypto enthusiasts, who wanted to market on Pinshots, right? That's that's prime real estate for them. And it's like I get I get a young burgeoning audience that will probably want to trade cryptos, and it's the best way to reach them is probably through this newsletter. And if you sort of nudged them to say, you know what, you should do that, you'd have gotten a lot of audience, right? They would have gotten a lot of traction. We'd have made a lot of money. It just didn't sit well with us because we weren't trading cryptos, because we thought that was probably a bit too volatile for our own taste. And so I don't think the sort of the idea of telling other people to do something that we weren't comfortable doing ourselves didn't sit well with us, which is one of the reasons why we never went down that road. We thought, okay, we could probably monetize it in other ways. But but does that mean that we are open to like we're never open to advertising? No, I, it's quite possible that in the future, right? We might dabble with it, but but at the moment, no. That's that's not one of our primary concerns. I had a follow up with this. So it was like, do you think that the Indian market has basically space for if you later on plan to charge it, so people will be yeah. willing to spend on uh, newsletters basically? <laughs> Um, look, all of my, all of the, all of the other people in this space would probably not like the answer that I'm going to give you because 
I don't think that there is enough scope to monetize a standalone newsletter. Um, I think there's very little scope. I, I mean, people give the, give, you know, they, they look at the U.S. example and they say, oh, look, they, they figured it out. Morning Blue is making tons of money. Why can't Indians do it? It's just because ad revenue isn't the, I mean, it's, it's not the same here, right? I mean, there is a gold rush for, for you know, in, in the fintech space right now. And you can see that by the kind of money that companies are willing to throw around um, with, 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 you know, Instagram influencers, financial content creators on YouTube, et cetera. And, and newsletters would sort of fit that ambit as well because you know you, you you're reaching a large group of audience and uh, and and can you make some money sure but is it good enough for you to actually be a sustainable company and sort of be a standalone product in itself I doubt I don't think it's possible look there's always a chance I just feel like it's it's not I mean it's not that great I mean the potential I I, I don't see I don't see this market being the kind where you could sort of charge people and still, still sort of, you know, thrive, right? Not just make money. Just I think you could you could break even or even profitable if you're running a very tight ship. But if you're thinking of expanding and you know making a content powerhouse, you can't do it that way. You have to go you you, you have to go the inshots route or you know the daily hunt route or all of these aggregator routes, right? Um, I don't think a standard newsletter can be that. It's the volume game. Thank you for so much answering and I really love how you put your fin shots basically like for the IPOs analysis and everything like you don't give a particular view of yourself at the times so that people <laughs> yeah. can decide for themselves and you yeah. give every data which is required and that's something really nice. Thanks thank, a lot. Thank you. Thanks a lot for that Chandrakan. Uh, Sharath you can go next. Okay, so my question is more of precisely to be on your business. Uh, as you are into a financial space, uh, I'm sure a lot of people would want to fund you, want to put money into your business and things like that. Right. Uh, I'm not sure if you are funded right now or not. Uh, yeah. So I wanted to know, will you ever get into something like that? Because uh, I understand most of your uh, ideology is to train people and not train more and more precise to be educate them and then make a choice to pick up things either through your own platform or through some other platform which you guys are building so in terms of funding would you guys be open to uh, pick up funding or no because as you said you're not interested in monetizing things and things like that so um no we're interested in monetizing i mean ditto we've already i mean we've already got to a point where we're selling a lot of insurance policies right so i think we're making a bit of money already it's just that when I was saying I was not going to monetize, we, we probably aren't going to monetize FinShots as a newsletter, right? So the other product, obviously, even though we aren't promoting it actively on, on FinShots, it's already got a bit of traction and we're making some money. It's not crazy money, but it's some money. Now, the question on funding, right? That's an interesting question. Um, and I think uh, I, I could sort of maybe segue into some of the things that I was, I was anyways wanting to talk about. Well, we're already funded, right? So we're funded by Rain Matter, which is a Zeroda initiative. Um, so they're not like your traditional VC where they're trying to see, you know, I mean, they're not the kind, you know, who are probably going to invest in you, hoping that you'll be the next unicorn, right? So they're trying to, they're hoping that they invest in you and you become a sizable asset to their business, right? That you add value to their customers. Uh, for instance, if you see some of the startups that they've already funded, right? things like Windpelt or let's say, you know, streak or small case, right? It's, it's, I mean, these are products that zero the users would perhaps appreciate, right? So, so we are already funded on that aspect. And because we are doing this insurance thing, right? 
I think once again, we probably are going to do something with Seroda, right, on the funding side of things. But having said that, I don't think a lot of people were lining up to fund us anyway. I think we've had a lot of conversations with VCs and our narrative simply doesn't make a lot of sense to them. And you have to appreciate their, their sort of ideology here as well. Because for a VC, you have to keep doors open. If I go there and tell him that, listen, my, my aspiration is to build a decent business. Right? I, I want to make sure that I'm not trying to be the next policy bazaar. I'm not trying to be the next money control. I'm trying to build a niche for myself. And it's going to be a small, self-sustainable business. It's probably never going to be the kind of behemoths that we're used to, right? It's looking at you know, the startup ecosystem right now, the Olas, Uber, Somatos, etc. It's never going to be that, right? But it's still going to make some money. The VC is going to scoff at you. And, and, and you have to, I mean, you can't argue with that logic because they invest in 10 startups hoping that one startup, right, eventually makes it to the, you know, the, the, the coveted unicorn status. It actually does that. And so if I'm coming here and saying, look, I, I have no aspirations to be that, they're obviously going to shoo me out the door because that doesn't make any sense to them. And also when you're sort of pitching your idea to a VC, they want to make sure that you dream big. Like you can't just say, oh, I'm going to cater to all the customers that perhaps Policy Bazaar isn't catering. You have to say, I'm going to kick Policy Bazaar through the roof, right? I'm going to make sure that I capture the whole market. The whole insurance market is my space. And I'm not just going to sell insurance right now. I'm going to start making insurance products. I'm not, I'm not just content selling HDFC insurance or let's say care insurance. No, no. I'm going to make those products myself. And once I do that, I'm also going to start selling mutual funds. And then I'm going to be a bank. And after being a bank, I'm probably going to get into mobility and do what Zomato does as well. I mean, these are the kind of things. And I know I'm exaggerating here a bit. But look at what's happened outside, right? I mean, look at what, what Zomato's valuation sort of tells us. Many people are like, oh my God, that, that's, that's, that there's no way that Zomato can justify its valuation. That's what they said about every single business out there. They, they said the same things about Facebook. And Facebook has constantly managed to surprise people by finding new revenue drivers, by doing something that nobody had done before. Acquisitions. They acquired WhatsApp. Right? I mean, look at the amount of revenue drivers that WhatsApp created for Facebook. And it's the same with, you know, homegrown startups as well. Ola. I mean, they thought, oh, Ola was going to be the Uber. Well, they're already making bikes now. I mean, uh, scooters. Right? They're venturing into that space. And you look at Zomato. Zomato will probably do something crazy as well in the future. I don't know what that's going to be, but they probably will start doing something. Right? And so... VCs appreciate when you keep things open, right? You have to say the world is my oyster. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that I submit it to my command. That's the kind of narrative that VCs like to hear. And here we were walking into their table and saying, oh, you know what? We want to build a small newsletter, a small group of people, and hopefully sell some financial products to them. And we're happy being like a $5 million business. That's what our aspirations are. Of course, they're not going to like that. So I don't think we ever appeal to them because our, our aspirations were different, right? And that doesn't mean that they're wrong because they're clearly making money. <laughs> I mean, they, they, you know, the VCs have, I mean, people, people give them a hard time. But if you look at the data, the, the data is clear, right? Uh, still 35% of VCs or something of that degree, right? Give you about 3x return over a 10-year period. That's 12% compounded every year. I mean, think about it. And, and they're doing it at what? 100, 200, 300 million dollars you know, capital. Imagine getting that kind of money over that, that that size of capital. 
it's it's hard business and some of them are doing it precisely because they're making bets that nobody else is willing they're hoping that they'll find a facebook that's going to do something so extraordinary that nobody had ever conceived before right netflix right they were they were shipping you know they were sort of sending dvds on mail and and who would have thought streaming was going to be a thing in 1998 and yet today it is and now they're foring into gaming everybody is like oh no you can't do gaming until it's actually done and then they'll be like yeah actually you know what now it makes sense and all of the models that you see today when they look at sort of future projections i mean i just saw sort of this one projection by i think professor ashwath damodaran who's you know i mean is brilliant man but i look at his zomato projections and i one thing that's missing there is that he's not accounting for all the crazy things that they could potentially do it's like nobody knows nobody knows how what they they probably going to do and and that's the beauty of you know sort of investing right you hope and pray you gamble your money in 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 the in the off chance that that this this one entrepreneur or this bunch of entrepreneurs that i have picked will do something so extraordinary that nobody saw coming so i don't think we were those kind of entrepreneurs we were very modest we were very sort of you know i don't think we had those kind of aspirations so it makes perfect sense from a vc point of view and from our point of view right so so it's a longish answer but but i hope sort of you get where i'm going with this yeah i do get it uh, i have one small question this is more of a personal thing which i would want to have an idea from you uh, yeah. i guess in terms of a lot of financial news is something which you guys give out on your website and uh, different places uh, a bite sized information is what you give out uh the information has some sort of data which can help a person to invest or not or multiple things can happen do yeah. you follow any of these like i i'm sure it's not just you who are writing most of the content yeah. you have yeah. multiple people who are writing it so do you follow um, any of these ideologies or things for your personal related money and things like that of course of course i think i think you know what there's not a lot of people writing the content there's just two people writing it's just me and there's another guy called sitesh um so it's just a two man operation um uh, at least the newsletter right um we wish we had more people but right now it's just two people ideology always been right it's that investing is you know in large parts gambling i think that a large part of your money right you're betting on companies in the hope that like i said they do something that perhaps will belie your own expectations right and now some people will tell oh no 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 that's not the case etc right but if you go back in time you'll see so many examples where they floundered and and they forget and they move past and they're like oh it's never happened 5 years later if zomato actually justify the valuation everybody will have forgotten the amount of pessimism that it it sort of invited during the ipo everybody everybody right so so one of the things that i used to do at least in the old in the early days when we talked about stock specific stuff is that every story would end with this one phrase it, it would say where is your bet there you know and, and people would never get it it's like why do you call it a bet it's not a bet it's a science i'm like no it's not right i mean it's not science this there is some look there, there's some things that you could perhaps yeah you know, one of the things i think you know research is useful for is sort of making sure that you don't make stupid bets like you you could invest in a stupid company that's that's outright fraud and you could prevent that by doing some amount of research but you're, if you're trying to exponentially grow your wealth right i don't think there's a lot of science there i think a lot of it has to do with chance and hopefully a calculated bet but it is a bet nonetheless so we sort of you know, 
we we sort of make sure that that every sort of story would would always you know would always go to this cause and that's why all of our reviews on ipos etc it plays to both sides of the coil because it sort of you know it could pan out any way could pan out this way could pan out that way it, i gave you the example of facebook and and ola and all of these other companies that have done something you know completely uh, different than what they originally were supposed to do but i could also give you other examples from just dial for instance they try to do other things they try to venture into you know what what the likes of amazon etc have been doing that is b2c e-commerce and they failed it didn't work out right? they had to go back to their original forte in 2018 2019 just that it didn't work out so it can just so happen that you know that the things may not work out for a whole number of reasons so so one of the things one of the guiding principles is that every time we talk about stocks and markets we make sure that you know our readers are aware that in large parts they're making a bet right no amount of research can scuttle that right? it, it is a bet and i think we have to be honest about that so that's that's one of our guiding guiding principles great yeah thank you yeah cool thanks a lot sharat for the question and uh, shreth i would like instead of gambling i would rather call it calculated risk the point which you basically you know kind of made right. and and you're absolutely right here things can go either way the best that you can do is just put money in it and then hope for the best and hopefully at the right time take it out yeah i mean think about the difficulty in that right yeah, yeah. i can you know uh just just i'm sorry i mean if you can cut me off right now but if if i could just provide one example from no, my experience it's, it's basically so uh, you know i was told that you have a hard stop at 11:30 so and otherwise yeah no i i thought we can go yeah 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 no no we can we can we can go on for a while yeah i mean this okay. is an engaging conversation but uh so so this is you know remember i talked about this example of avanti fees now i don't know if a lot of people from this crowd remember but back in 2017 2018 avanti feeds this this was a stock right they were a shrimp feed manufacturer so they they'd make food for shrimp i mean think about think if you had to sort of categorize unglamorous businesses in an order from 1 to 10 shrimp feed would probably be at the top right it's it's the it's the most unglamorous business that you can think of and yet during 2017 2018 avanti feeds went on a run that belied everybody's expectation it was such they reached the stock reached such stratospheric highs and it could have reached for multiple reasons one obvious allegation was that it was being rigged right by operators that they were pushing the price to elevated levels but there was still some some logic behind it, it wasn't just out of thin air that avanti began the rise because their financials actually sort of they they stated the same story right it was that they were making more revenue than they had ever done before that they were breaking you know strides in sort of improving their margins their bottom line was increasing at a pace once again that belied most people's expectations and so all of this happened you know somewhere around the time of 2017 2018 if i'm not wrong and i remember researching the story because by the time i had written about avanti the crash had already manifested right it went up and then it went down right like the i mean it's the prophetic you know story of every stock that has seen stratospheric highs is that you can't defy gravity forever you're going to come down at some point in time it had already made that low and so i was writing with the benefit of hindsight so i found this report i think it was from 2013 2013 it's a report from foreign company 
I don't remember who it was, but but it was it was uh, yeah, it was it was this report, very elaborate report, and and in 2013 they had put together the whole Avanti story as it had transpired, everything, right? So they had said, you know what? Here's what we're witnessing in Indonesia, Vietnam, etc. All of the shrimp farms they're being affected by disease, right? Like COVID, for instance, right? All of the shrimps were dying, and they said that left a vacuum in the market. And guess who's going to fill that vacuum in the market? Shrimp farmers in Andhra Pradesh, right? So okay, if shrimp farmers in Andhra Pradesh are going to sort of plug that vacuum, what do they need? Well, they need a lot of shrimp feed because you need to feed the shrimp if you're going to have shrimp. And so they had sort of mapped this cycle very nicely, and they said, "Listen, this is going to be a cyclical story." They even figured out the fall. They said, "At some point in time, they're going to back, you know, the the, the shrimp farmers in Indonesia, Vietnam, etc. They're going to be back online. They're going to come back, right? Disease is going to go away. They're going to come back. They're going to farm the shrimp, and then you'll have an opportunity to see that there's oversaturation in the market. There's a glut in the market. Right? Everybody's selling shrimp." prices will fall margins will shrink and avanti will go back to being the company that we've always known a modest shrimp feed manufacturer right and they plugged all of this beautiful narrative and i was like oh my god these guys they can see the future like this is how stock investing is supposed to be except one single detail you know what they missed everything that picked up except one single detail they said this was going to happen in 2015 and the crash was going to come in 2016 that's what they said right and if i were an investor reading that report in 2013 i'd be holding on a dutch stock at 2016 because avanti had done nothing at 2016 it only started moving up much later because all of the things that they believe would happen happened a year later so they just got the timing wrong it was just that bit off and all of that went off like everything that they originally said about everything was off the bets were off all of a sudden their report looks trash because because it no longer makes any sense i waited you told me to wait i waited and nothing happened and now i moved on and and this story you'll see time and time again this happened with with another company called uh, rain industries right rain industries was uh, was also sort of you know i think they were i'm i'm not quite sure what they were making but uh, but there was a very famous investor called munish pobrai who invested in rain industries same thing he said the stock was going to go up to 180 it went to 180 and then he said you know what i see more upside potential and then as he had rightly predicted it went to 300 and he said i still see some more potential it went up to 340 350 and then it went back to 80 90 and it never recovered i don't know if it's ever recovered since then right and he was still holding on to that stock his original projection was 180 it's just that he made an error so so i think that you know you could you know this timing thing right it's what makes most of it you know <laughs> most of it sort of a gamble i think a chance right a chance event so i just wanted to sort of maybe touch and, on and that this is, yeah this is actually true for so many startups you know this is the story yeah. of all startups the thing which you cannot account for is the timing and that is what actually many a times makes a startup either a success or a failure is the timing yeah. a lot to do yeah. with the timing uh, yeah. in fact you know majority of the times when people uh, you know go to investors investors ask these three questions why why you and why now so i think the why now question is what yeah uh, yeah that's a very important question so cool uh, ram you you can go now after that akhil hey thanks man hey, shahid uh, yeah yeah amazing uh and uh, one thought that i was when, when i was hearing your entire uh, speaker on uh, monetization Right, building right. an authentic brand is not easy man 
and what you're yeah. building is an authentic brand yeah. uh, what what it returns is not in the short term but in the long term uh, but i can i can absolutely see that the other thing that i was thinking about is uh, you know what you are creating is content and there are out there so many places where content is not there uh, have you ever thought about pushing your content to uh, you know those places where they can syndicate it and uh, you make money out of it um we have thought about it but but you know one of the things is i think we always had difficulty in uh, you know when you when you say finchas like you said it's very hard to build an authentic brand with with a very distinctive voice right it's like i read a finchas newsletter i know it's from finchas you know it's it's very hard to do something like that and so when we sort of tried to syndicate it and we've done it we've tried this experiment it's just that you know translations for instance right it's just never worked out for us it just it just loses its authenticity the same thing that you quoted earlier so that's something that hasn't worked out well for us but that could also be that we weren't trying the right channels right i'm i'm perfectly willing to admit that we probably didn't give it a fair chance to begin with right so it's quite possible that it could have been because of our own shortcomings um but but yeah i mean we would be open to it in the future although in the past those experiments haven't exactly worked out the way we had expected it that's true i have a uh, very different question uh, okay. this is regarding ditto insurance right. uh, and uh, this is this goes closer to what i am trying to do which we can talk offline if ever it opportunity exists right. Right. Uh, you have said need a human touch the one right. thing that i realize is insurance you can put as much content as possible no one yeah. will ever understand yeah. without yeah. a person explaining it yeah yeah, uh, yeah. that i very deeply believe now yeah. my only question to you is yeah. how has this been for you what are your outcomes from this experiment okay. did it make sense for you okay if you no, think no. this is a long answer i would love to connect with you offline because that it's it's closer to what uh, i am trying to do and there is there is something that i can talk to you about right no no we can connect outside but i i try to sort of maybe give a short enough answer uh but that's a very interesting question it's like why a human touch i mean human touch don't doesn't scale <laughs> um that's the first thing that most people think of but we have learned a few lessons right with insurance one of the things that we've learned is from other people's mistakes in the past now we've had a chance to speak to some of the people at coverfox now i don't know what coverfox is coverfox was another startup yes. that was trying to sell insurance online uh, without actually adding on the cost of having you know mammoth sales force you know the kind that policy bazaar had sort of originally conceived of now when coverfox tried to do it it just didn't work out you know as they expected because like you said people still need the human touch i might know everything about insurance but i still want peace of mind and a machine can't deliver that by by and large right i'm i'm sort of making a generalization here but it's very hard to do that right to offer people peace of mind and then you ask okay what can i do so i'm going to have people right talk to them now the insight that we've had in the past maybe you know 6 7 months is that these advisors have to know their stuff so one of the things that we've done especially is we probably instituted the most elaborate advisor training program that we can right it's it's a month long training program where it's just people learning about insurance shadowing other people's calls answering queries figuring out necessary language guidelines because you know when we say insurance is 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 not necessarily a financial product it's just a product that offers you peace of mind we really mean it so you have to convince people ki ha matlab they're safe because they constantly second guessing their choice and they're always thinking ki will they pay out etc no what like so many questions right 
so what we realized is if you are actually building a building a solution where there is a human touch you better make sure that that human touch is actually pretty darn good right i mean so it has to be a pretty good touch if 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 it's going to make an impact so i think we've spent a fair amount of time just training these people and building our training program and it's constantly evolving but i think that's one insight that we've had in that if you are building any solution that revolves around people then the product isn't the product it's the people right yeah, it doesn't matter what kind of what kind of web solution you have right what kind of flow you have what kind of ui ux etc right how easy it is to integrate with insurers doesn't matter i mean we've had a makeshift website that pretty much does nothing right for the past 5 6 months and we have no problem selling insurance because because like we said our whole proposition is that you will get the best human touch available right best solution best advisors available and so so i think that's one insight that we've had in the past you know 6 months and uh, yeah i mean i'm glad to sort of touch on this later but but yeah that's that's how i'd like to sort of wrap up and that's pretty interesting uh, yeah. that's pretty interesting because one of the things i very strongly believe uh, is uh, you can put as much ai as possible onto anything in this world but yeah. uh, peace of mind authentic answers and uh, you know the 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 comfort that you get when you talk to a human that right. that, that the reassurance that the decision that you are taking is the right decision can right. never be done with anything else Right, right, right. No, agree, agree, agree. I'll I'll connect with you offline. Uh, yeah, there's sure. more that I want to pick your brain on. Would be lovely to do so if you can. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Thanks a lot for that, um, Akhil. Uh, you can go next. Hi, um, I work at a insurance startup which is uh, in the US market. Oh, My great. question is around communities. Uh, it's great that uh, you could turn a community into uh, a revenue source uh, by mm. building it so yeah. while uh, i have two questions around this uh, yeah. how do you maintain your icp ideal customer profile when mm. you are a uh, community of articles which probably it's little harder to get the feedback in the reverse format right. second uh how do you uh, kind of move out to different profiles of customers when you want to expand and uh, if one has to start uh, building a community what are some things they should be mindful i hope that's useful for uh, builders club also yeah 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 no that's a good question now about the ideal you know i mean you know the way we saw it in the early days was beggars can't be choosers i mean we said any audience is good enough so long as they have some monetization potential now you could you could sort of get people you know i i mean you have to ask yourself i mean we we used to ask this question all the time is that who's going to read finshots and the people that are going to read finshots are probably on the verge of being interested in finance or maybe they're preparing for placements either way it's still a good enough target segment for us now if you look at cred for instance how they've gone about their business they've said i'm only going to target the the the, the high net worth 1% right? they're saying okay fine these are the only people that i want to target and they they went about their business quite well right so they have a, a the the cream population that they want to target and they spent a lot of money getting that cream now our question is if we didn't have that kind of money 
how would we build that audience? Well, we thought FinShots was an amazing platform for that because everybody who reads us, right? We are an English, English-only media, right? So we only communicate in English, and we know for a fact that we're communicating about subject matter that's that's reasonably sophisticated. Yes, we try and simplify it, but it's still sophisticated to a certain degree. And like I told you, if if they're not reading it because they're interested in finance or they want to be financially savvy or they want to get into investing. They're probably doing it because placements are incoming. Either way, it works well for us because these these people have, they probably have the best runway for growth in terms of earning potential, right? So we thought if we could catch them at a at a time when they're they're early on in an investing career, most likely probably you know put their money on insurance. They probably put their money down on investment products, etc. So so we thought you know FinShots would work out quite well. And to be honest with you, now that we are sort of trying to monetize it using Ditto, this community, right? We still see a very, a, you know, set of customers that that insurers value. For instance, I can give you an example. Now, when you sort of are a distributor, right? One of the biggest complaints that you get from insurance product manufacturers, HDFC, ICIC, etc., is that you send terrible customers away. Right? These people are trying to con us, scammers. They're trying to evade underwriting, etc. Right? The people that we interact with, you know, the insurers that we interact with have been extremely happy with the kind of people that we are sending because they're like, oh, these are the most cleanest set of customers that we've seen. Like, these aren't trying to con us, et cetera, and whatever, right? They, they seem to be the best kind of people, right? Young people, these are precisely the kind of people that we want to insure. So it's worked out well, but again, it's coincidental. We didn't think that this was going to happen. It just so happened that it's worked out quite well. The question is, as you grow, right? Obviously, pinch shots is a limited scale. How do you make sure that you still have these, 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 this specific profile of customers walking in and making the purchase because they they hold the highest potential for sort of you know, as a company at least for us to to make money off of. Well, that answer is more complicated, and I hope we can figure it out. But we do have a few ideas. One of the reasons why we sort of partnered with Zeroda. Is because Zerodas customers once again are tax-paying customers, right? And these people have fair amount of wealth already, right? That's why they're on Zeroda. They want to expand that wealth by investing, etc. So hopefully, right? One of the things that will stand in good stead for us will be this partnership with Zeroda. But that time only will tell, right? So so hopefully we can expand into other categories and still maintain the same kind of profiles. But but yeah, I mean that's that's anybody's guess, right? Whether it'll pan out the way we expect it. Wow! Thanks for answering. Yeah, that's a that's a very very interesting uh, target profile that you people have. Uh, definitely, you know, in the long term, I guess this would be a very very wealthy uh, strategy. So, uh, I mean, I'm not sure about that, but let's let's see. Let, I mean, you, you have to... isn't that uh, Shait? Isn't that a self-selection? Because uh, you are talking about a set of people who are picking your newsletter to subscribe to. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Are, it, that's, and your newsletter is not going to be something which gives them, uh, you know, those hot tips, but uh, yeah. something which makes them think through and what they are doing. Second thing is you are also talking about young guys whose risk profile is automatically lower. Yeah, I mean, you're right. But but once again, right, I mean, if I had to go back one year you know, back in time and I, I had to sort of ask, you know, answer this question, I'd, I'd have said, 
look, I could have probably offered you a convoluted answer and said, oh, this is precisely how it will pan out. But until it actually pans out, you know, you so can't that's, say anything that's for true. sure. That's yeah, so, that's so having seen the kind of customers that we have been seeing on Ditto, I think it's safe to say that, you know, it's worked out decently. But yeah, you know, how it will work out in the future where, you know, Hopefully it works out well, but we'll have to see. Yeah, yeah, that's the best startup advice today, Shrihat. Saying that you know you, you can top anything in hindsight, but you, know, yeah. you make some bets, but and and pray and and feel that it will make you make your life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a question. Uh, you guys are into a little bit of experimenting and getting things tested and checked and. Yeah. things like that are you guys looking at moving uh, into the vernacular space also because i'm sure that is something which is not available at least in terms of the financial product yeah or... no you're right in that you could make an argument to sort of you know i mean it's just the bandwidth issue right so right now like i said when you're sort of trying to you know i mean we haven't raised ridiculous sums of money which means that we have to still run a very tight ship and that means making sacrifices now of course we can experiment to a certain degree but then we still have to pick and choose our battles and i think because we've been sort of so hard pressed for time right to experiment these other things right vernacular even even with fin shots you know maybe trying to make it more elaborate add items etc so that's something that's on our list right now maybe we want to expand the newsletter make it more engaging maybe add things that are hopefully will add more value to our customers uh but it's still a work in progress and vernacular is one of those things that we have in the pipeline not sure when we'll get to it but you're right in that there is an open space there and if somebody can fill it in really well i think i think there's something there right i'm not sure whether it'll be there again you know the, the multi million dollar idea but there's this definitely some potential there um yeah. i'm yeah. sure you know, there are tier 2 and tier 3 cities which are very rich enough to pick up insurance yes. products and things yeah, like that yeah. with help of agreed agreed, agreed right? i i completely agree it's it's just a matter of priorities right now right i mean what what we choose to sort of pick and choose um, but but yeah i i agree that there could be a potential maybe we'll we'll get to do it sometime in the future yeah but shirt wanted to basically uh, if you just even uh, market the Uh, hindi segment also right there's a big uh, right. big field in that because yeah, uh, yeah according, according to my stats and everything what i have checked uh, even like we were working on a book basically right. so right. what we analyzed if we are uh, targeting only the hindi segment itself we are getting right. uh, more people uh, rather than the mm-hmm. english segment no, i, I think yeah no you you i definitely i, I wouldn't sort of fault that argument at all because i've seen content creators on youtube who only target the hindi audience in fact most english speaking population right there's the people who would have ideally communicated in english who have a, perhaps a better command over the language are still choosing to communicate in hindi because they can reach a larger audience you know and i think there's a there's a there's a larger potential to make money it's unfortunate i mean for us unfortunately the reason why we probably not doubled with hindi as a as potentially a market is because you know i i'm south indian i'm from bangalore I, my hindi is terrible and because i was doing most of the writing just is is hard to do right uh, but but obviously as we expand right i mean i'm pretty sure that that's something that we will be looking into as well yeah yeah and i think it's it's something which is inevitable here everybody in fact who's in the content space especially in the kind of 
कॉन्फिडेंस पीपल आर एट आई गेस यू नो दैट्स द इनएविटेबल वे फॉरवर्ड इट्स नॉट अ क्वेश्चन ऑफ इफ इट्स अ मैटर ऑफ व्हेन द वे आई लुक कूल वन लास्ट क्वेश्चन फ्रॉम समयुक्ता एंड देन यू नो आई हैव वन एंड देन वी क्लोज समयुक्ता या हाय एम आई ऑडिबल यस यस या uh okay so you were talking about how um like when you were studying in iim you didn't really learn about finance subjects right um and i feel like in today's world where in students um even people uh, teenagers in school they are like becoming entrepreneurs or they're doing freelancing and they they have some sort of an income coming but their income isn't really stable but you know they still have they're making money do you think that there will be a time wherein the indian education system is going to start adopting um uh, content that you create in your newsletters into their curriculum uh oh wow. that that's a very interesting question um look i think i think a lot of these old school institutions are very rigid and they're still trying to ride out the the prestige wave right which is to say that listen my education is superior simply because i've built it over the past i built my reputation over the past you know say 20 30 40 50 years and i don't have to sort of adopt my curriculum to make it more sort of i think you know to make it more useful for for a you know for a population that's probably learning new things on the fly so you could make an argument that they will perhaps adopt but in my experience i think they will still try and ride out the prestige wave where they'll say you know what it doesn't matter what i do with the curriculum i mean screw the curriculum all i'm going to do is i'm still going to get people vying for my college irrespective of whether i'm going to impart that education online or whether it's going to be on the institution itself i'm still going to ride out this wave because i know i've built brand equity that is going to sustain myself now when will that break apart when will that idea break? i I'm, i don't know right? i i can't tell for sure but i'm pretty pretty certain that it will happen at some level right i mean if you look at the kind of things that you know byju's etc and i know it's not a you know it's an it's not an apple to apple comparison but if you still look at the kind of things that they're doing with the kind of money and the firepower that they have they're fundamentally changing sort of how education is viewed in india right um not not saying that that's the best approach to take i'm not saying that that's that sort of ethical in any way but i'm just saying that the way education is perceived in india seen a radical shift right and i think that shift is going to sit now the the one thing i will say is this most people think that anytime somebody does something new for instance the newsletters right content creators on youtube right educators etc somewhere else right um when they do something they're like oh you know what this is going to replace the traditional school of thought right traditional way that that curriculums have been built often times what will happen is they coexist you know it's not one thing replacing another and people you know, when 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 people said oh when netflix was 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 being a thing everybody said nobody will visit the movies right i mean it's the death of theaters etc right nobody said oh you know what both could coexist in the market and it has proven that both theaters and netflix can coexist in the same market so i think that some institutions are going to co-opt some of the stuff to stand out because they can't you know they don't have the luxury of using prestige so they're probably going to do something else we've already seen some startups i know there's one startup stoich you right and they they're already doing some pretty amazing stuff in terms of you know adopting an entirely different curriculum right so 
I mean, people are trying to do it, but I would think that they would still co-op to a certain degree, then entirely replacing it. Right? It's not going to be like, oh, my alma mater is going to take stuff from Pinchal and going to impart them in the curriculum. Unlikely, right? I think I think they'll adopt some elements, but I don't think it's going to replace them entirely. Got it. Got it. Thanks. I I, I just um, thought like since in college, like right after we go out of college we're going to get placed in a company and then we're going to get money and i'm going to be in a place wherein i'm lost about what i yeah. can do with that money so yeah so i i personally believe that if we were taught personal finance at least in college not even in school <laughs> that would be something helpful for everybody in today's yeah. world yeah I, yeah i mean i think that's that's sort of a gripe that people have had for the past Two decades, I believe, and yet nothing's being done. Um, I, I can't offer you a good enough explanation, but I can tell yeah. you is is sort of you know what's what's happening with YouTube, etc. Right? I mean, I'm, again, the efficacy of the education you could debate, right? I mean, I'm not sure what you learn in a 20-second reel, but what I can tell you is that there is still awareness. Right? People are trying to sort of make it more appealing, package it better, hopefully give more prudent advice. And and yeah, I think I think you know individual creators are taking up the mantle that perhaps schools have, should have taken, um, you know, a long while ago. Yeah. Got it. Thanks. If I just could add up to it, uh, so we'll just like basically uh, what what I tested, but what I tested out was that basically even when there is information out there, okay, rather it be personal finance, rather it be investments or trading, still people who are consuming it, they come with excitement in the starting and it dwells off into the later segment, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. even when the information is out there. So, yeah, yeah. there's a big part that people say, okay, we are, we are not getting this and uh, there's a big community over there who want to, who wanted to get. But this big right. community which says, I wanted to, but when they are given that, they don't stick around with it. So, uh, yeah. if, if, even with FinShorts, there must be, right? Like, there are oh, maybe around three and a half lakh uh, subscribers. Or, uh, yeah. So maybe some of them are regulars and some of them are not viewing it on a particular stage. So are there any steps you took on to basically engage them more in that? He went down by mistake, Sohail. He's just gone. He'll just come back, right? Okay. I just invited him back. Sorry about that. I think no. once again. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, uh, can you could you repeat that? I was just just sorry. I, I lost you there for a moment. So yeah. The first one was that key people uh, even when they're provided with the information, they don't stick around with it long time. So that one was the first one. The second one was when it comes to fin shots, you have a large yeah. audience, right? So it must be hard to keep them oh, engaged yeah, for a long yeah, period yeah. of time. Hundred percent, hundred percent, right? Which is one of the reasons why you have to constantly innovate. And, you know, you, you'll always have this, right? I mean, look, I've subscribed to hundreds of newsletters that I've stopped reading at some point in time because I've, I've you know, people grow out of it, right? People people see that, oh, you know what, now I understand most of the stuff that's already been written. I, I don't find a lot of value. And people will move on. And I think that's an inevitable part of life, not just financial products per se. Right? I think people have to evolve. You could see it with content creators on YouTube, for instance, people who People who've only done one thing, right, and they've achieved, let's say, great success, eventually find that that one-trick pony works doesn't 
doesn't work anymore you know they they move on to other things they try experimenting with other things some succeed most fail and so i think that's one thing that will happen which is why you but we've seen it with finshots as well to have a high enough open rate is a monumental task and i mean how will you ensure that 350000 people wake up every morning and meet finshots when everybody is trying to compete for the same time right zomato wants to compete for the time with their notifications right um, even ola sends newsletters right i mean everybody is trying to do the same things right notifications from netflix hotstar you have you know your friends on 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 whatsapp and instagram and and everybody is competing for that same same time space and you're like why would they read a newsletter of course they won't which is one of the reasons you know when people ask me they they always say oh you know what i go on finshot and you don't ask me to sign up like you don't force me to sign up before i read an article like isn't that the best way to add new subscribers like make sure that before they read ask them to sign up right and that be amazing no that's the most stupidest thing that you can do with a newsletter because that's not going to do anything if you force them to sign up they're not going to read tomorrow they're probably going to move it to spam and that's affects your delivery system altogether uh, effectively gmail will start penalizing you they'll be like oh you know what this is spam already and i know it i'm going to send it to spam for everyone that's the first problem the second problem is an added cost you're sending an email and nobody is answering it nobody is reading it it's useless and so often times what happens is people get too ahead of themselves because they want to growth hack but growth hacking doesn't always essentially mean you're going to find success often times it's stupid ways to growth hack that 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 only appeal to a very select set of people you know, say you know vcs etc right you're like oh listen i'm sure growth if it comes at a cost that sort of you know meaningless it's it's worth nothing right so i think for us at least we've sort of managed to do it by making sure that we add people who are who have to be really really interested like if you have to download the app uh, you know finshot app you have to go to the footer and you won't even find it on the top because we know if you download the app you're not going to read it right you're probably going to mute the notification not going to do it right so you're only going to be added like you only should install the app if you really really want it otherwise you know you're better off elsewhere right maybe podcast or 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 on on email etc so we have to constantly decide how do we sort of keep engaging the customer and one of the ways we do it is by making sure we optimize for channels where we say okay this person won't read our newsletter maybe maybe get him to you know listen to us on spotify that's that's one way we do it right or maybe see if you know instagram appeals to this this individual or maybe we have to change the structure of the newsletter itself to get them back and so you have to constantly experiment because change is the only constant you're not going to get these people to pay attention to you because they have sentimental value people don't care for that stuff they need utility you know entertainment value more often than not so it's very hard but but yeah you have to adopt strategies to sort of you know have sticky customers thanks thanks a lot shade thanks a lot guys sorry if you if you were raising hands we can't take any more questions we're just closing it is almost midnight now uh shahid <laughs> thanks a lot for you know spending those extra 30 minutes with us we know that yeah. you, you have a very tight schedule but yeah, no, no. Uh,